Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Hey, what's going on, guys? I got a very special guest today. We have Yona Weiss. He's a powerhouse with property owners tax savings. As a business director at Madison Specs, a national cost segregation leader, he has assisted clients in saving hundreds of millions of dollars on taxes through cost segregation. He has a background in teaching and a passion for real estate and helping others. He's a real estate investor, and he is the host of the top podcast, Weiss Advice. Yona, how are we doing today? What's up, Jordan? Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, so, so where's your story start? Did it start in real estate? Where, where, where's your story? Where, where'd you grow up? Definitely did not start in real estate. In fact, it probably, I don't know if it's going to end in real estate either, but it's right now, that's, that's kind of a lot of my world is, is focused around the real estate industry. And that only really started about five years ago. So it, maybe six, maybe even seven. I'm kind of losing count, but you can see from all the gray hairs that I've been, I've been around for quite a while. So before I was in real estate, I was a teacher for many years and actually spent a lot of time, you know, studying and teaching. And that was kind of my passion. I thought I was going to be maybe a rabbi or do something with that regard, but uh, you know, God had other plans and kind of kicked me and, and showed me I needed to get out there in the world and, and find something else. And, you know, long story short, I'm happy to get into the longer version in a second, but long story short, about six, six, seven years ago, I found the real estate industry and kind of just learned a lot along the way through great mentors and great uh, partners. And, you know, here I am today, a real estate investor, but most importantly, helping people on a daily basis, save, you know, tons of money in taxes through this really cool strategy called cost segregation. So that's a long story short. You're going to be a rabbi? Well, you know, I, I never really wanted to be a rabbi per se, but, you know, in the Jewish community, someone who a rabbi really just means a teacher, right? So I was never really uh, set up or wanted to be like a communal leader, which is kind of the our, our kind of colloquial idea of what a rabbi is, um, is more of a communal leader, but really it's just a teacher. So someone that is very scholarly, you know, spends, spent many, many years studying and, and knows the ins and outs and, and teaches others. So that's kind of what I was doing. Uh, but never really officially in any sort of uh, communal capacity. Gotcha. And something I found super interesting, and this is why your story kind of came up to me, is that I always find people when they get very deep into a subject or very deep into a career, 
they usually uh, concerned about leaving it. Like they feel like they wasted time or they don't want to leave. So what allowed you to lift your head up and go, there's something more. There's more than just being a teacher here. Just be, and the reason I say that is because there's a lot of people I know that, and friends and just stories about everybody where people stay in dead end careers because they don't see other opportunities. You know, I was all always the type of person that just kind of goes with the opportunities that come. So even though I was a teacher for, for a very long time and I love that and I still do, but for me, it was, you know, I, I was open to opportunities and I, like you said, I kind of had a, a life event that happened. I had someone sick in my family and I, I just kind of had a pause and I had, you know, I had a little time off to just kind of reflect and to see what I need to be doing. And I saw very clearly that I needed some other source of income. Uh, or maybe multiple other streams of income, which I didn't really know was possible at the time. But I consulted with some friends like, listen, I'm looking for an opportunity. And I kind of just put myself out there. And to me, that was kind of putting yourself out there, like some people say to the universe or, or to God, whatever you want to call it, the same thing is just being open to opportunities. And so I, I was. And so I, I agree with you that there are people who are kind of stuck in dead end careers and don't realize that there is an opportunity to kind of stop, or maybe they're just stuck and they don't have uh, the ability. I mean, if, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's very, very difficult to kind of just stop and and look for something else. I, you know, I was fortunate enough to have someone that kind of helped me in uh, in a very crucial moment in my life to to kind of give me that opportunity to kind of stay, take a step back and uh, allow me to to kind of rethink things and, and see what opportunities were available. And so that's, that's really where it happened. But an interesting fact, I mean, uh, my father, when, you know, he was in business for many years doing many different things. And when I was, when I went to college, he decided he was also going to go back to school and, and become, uh, and he became uh, actually when I was in high school, I think he started and he went to, he had a master and he went to, got a PhD and became a, a psychotherapist, psychologist, and very successful and started his own practice and everything. So to me, it was like, okay, just because you're a little bit older, it doesn't mean that you can't change and, and pursue something new. Yeah. And that's so important to hear because we all have to realize that life is only but the singular moment and our past does not equal our future. And we have to be open to that. And we have to realize that any single day you can go, I'm done. Everything is optional in the regard of uh, this podcast, me doing it weekly. Um, and anything I do is very optional and we can change it at any given moment as we want. So I think that's super important. And uh, it's cool hearing how you're going about it and how you did that. So you were teaching for many years. What friends did you ask? Um, you know, I had had friends that were, you know, working and doing other other things. And uh, one friend in particular uh, who is a successful startup uh, company and was in the finance sector. And I just asked him, you know, what, what do you think? What should I do? And he was like, you know, talk to so-and-so and so, and he made a few connections for me. And he was like, you know, just see what, what available options are there. And I ran to another friend, ran into him in the parking lot one day and it was like, Hey, any opportunities, you know, of anything, I'm just like looking to do something else, you know, on top kind of part-time or whatever it was. And, um, he's like, you know what I, and this friend of mine was a commercial mortgage broker for many years. 
And he's like, yeah, you can, uh, why don't you work with me? <laughs> like, well, I'll show you the ropes. I'll teach you everything you know about commercial mortgages. And I'm like, okay, I don't know the first thing about commercial mortgages, you know, about uh, commercial real estate, but he, you know, true to his word, he sat me down, taught me, and I literally, you know, worked with him side by side in his office for about, you know, eight, nine months. And we had a great time and I learned a tremendous amount and about sales, about, you know, cold calling, about research, about underwriting, about all the jargon and the lingo in commercial real estate. And that was a huge eye-opening opportunity for me. But more than anything, what that did was introduce me to a whole new, you know, network of people as well. And so that was really what opened me up to, you know, the other opportunities that came. Yeah. And I love that, that it's, it's so important that you were accepting of whatever it was. It wasn't this, I need to paint this picture and my life has to be some certain way, but it's yeah. more of, I went to my friends, I told them I needed opportunities. They were doing something different than I, and I was willing to learn. And was, yeah. was he paying you at that point? Or was that, were you running your own book or? Yeah, it was literally, it was, he was not paying me. It was just, um, you know, just teaching me. I was kind of apprenticing more than anything else. And if we brought in any deals, which, you know, we were able to, then we would get some commission and I would be able to split that with him. So that was, that was what we were doing at that time. Yeah. And that, that's another big point that, and how old were you at that point? Um, must've been at 35. Yeah. So I was, you know, I wasn't a younger, I wasn't a young end. I had uh, a a bunch of kids at home and he was trying to put bread on the table. How many kids did you have? How many kids? Uh, did you have? Six kids. Six kids, yeah. 35, <laughs> went nine months to learn. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. But, I mean, but that's what it takes at points where you just go, I cannot live this life anymore. And I have to look for more. It does. And when you're willing to kind of be faced, well, you know, when, when you're put in a situation, that you're challenged like that. And I think I was, like I mentioned before, I was put in a very kind of trying situation with a uh, kind of a health concern with one of my close family members. And that gave me the ability to kind of look outside myself a little bit and be like, okay, I need to, I need to make some changes. I need to do some things differently uh, so that I can have some more security that we can make sure that we're, you know, we're set up right. And so I was willing, I knew that I wasn't looking for any quick fixes. I was not looking for any get rich quick schemes or anything like that. And when I, the more I learned about real estate, the more I learned that it's not a get rich, real estate is not a get rich quick uh, scheme, but it is a get rich for sure scheme, right? (laughs) right? So it's just, it's just, if you have the patience and you have the time and, you know, having being grateful for having the ability to be surrounded by others who had been successful. And so I could see that this wasn't something that I had to kind of figure out totally on my own. And it wasn't something that I had to, you know, kind of paint this picture of, oh, will this actually be successful? I knew that it is possible. I knew that it was possible if you put in the time, you put in the effort. Yeah, absolutely. And it's real estate is something that's been around forever. And people are always, it's not that people are getting lucky, but they, it's more of holding the properties, having the value. And there's a bunch of different ways to cut it up, but yeah, it really is an industry that can be very intimidating at points. But then as you start to get in further, you're like, oh, there's a bunch of different ways to go about this. This is really cool. So you go through the mortgage experience and what's the next move? Where, where, where to next? 
you know, I, I simultaneously, while I was with them, I was, uh, I had just finished reading the seven habits of highly effective people. And so that was a book that kind of made some big paradigm shifts in my head. You not, not paradigm shifts to, to this point that these weren't ideas that I knew before. Cause actually most of them were, but it was just, you know, outlined in such a way that made it much more practical to apply, uh, how to kind of live those principles. And, so I related to it a lot and I was like, yeah, I was thinking, you know, and one of the, you know, habit number six is synergy, right? And so I was thinking about this and then I saw an ad, right? About this real estate company, right? Synergy real estate. I'm like, wow, that's, that's such a great name. You know, just reading this book, I'm like, it's such a great name. I got to find out, right? Who this guy is. So like I called the number and, uh, and it was this real estate broker, you know, he's selling a property and he's like, you're looking for a property. I'm like, no, no, no. But I just saw your name. And I love the name and I'd love to just, you know, come and meet you. <laughs> and, and he was like, okay, here's my, you know, this is my offices, come on by. So I literally just went out, met this guy and uh, I'm like, Hey, you're looking maybe to hire any other agents, any brokers. And he's like, yeah, sure. Like here, this is what we're doing. And, <laughs> uh, and he's like, have you ever done anything? I'm like, no, I don't know anything about it. I mean, He's like, are you willing to learn? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Definitely willing to learn. And so kind of one of the things that I love is learning. And so it doesn't really matter what the subject is. If it's something that I find interest in and I'm kind of passionate about, I'll, I'll learn everything there is to know about it and try to find new ways to, uh, to get good at it. And so that's what we did. I literally sat with this guy also. Um, I was a, a residential real estate broker for, for a little while and we were doing some deals together. Ended up becoming a, a partner with this guy for a little while. We did a couple of deals together and had a lot of fun doing it and learned a tremendous amount more just from you know kind of putting myself out there, being willing to learn and um, apprenticing, like not being afraid. This guy was like 10 years younger than me also. And he was, he was a successful, you know, he, he had put in the time, put in the effort and had become very successful. And I was like, this is someone that I can learn from. I, I, that is awesome. That age, there's no age discrimination. There's no learn. It's all, you have the knowledge. I want to learn this from you. Not saying they're right or wrong in any of the specific things, but it's so important to realize that when learning, it's not. Hey, I want to learn how to live your life, but it's more, I want to learn this skill from you. How do we get that done? Yeah. And being able to be vulnerable enough to, and removing the ego to go teach me, please. And there's, yeah. I think that's such a huge point you're bringing out there. I mean, it really comes down to humility and there's a great example that our, our sages, right? The Jewish sages teach that, you know, a wise person is not someone who knows a lot. A wise person is someone that can learn from everyone. And so it takes a lot of humility to be able to learn from anyone and everyone, like even from little kids. And, you know, I learned a tremendous amount from my kids, right? You can learn from people what not to do also, right? But you can learn from everyone. And I think it, it does take a lot of humility and kind of getting your ego, getting yourself out of the way in order to, to do that. And that is a key, in my opinion, to, to success. Uh, absolutely. And I think the mention that you brought of learning from your kids but because I heard that before it's if the people are one to five, you can learn the most from one to five years old. And then you can learn the most from like 75 and above. And how often are random, <laughs> most people would be like, oh, I talked to my grandparents. And it's like, no, it's like talking to other people who are older, like talking to people with experiences, talking to people who have done a lot of stuff. And that's really key to do. 
Um, and that's, that's how it, it all kind of opens up and you can find that next step or where you want to go or what you want to do. But it takes putting yourself out there. It takes going out of 100%. your way, going out of your way. You know, you know, people aren't necessarily going to come to you. You have to put yourself out there. Very, it all comes down to the intentionality and also not being afraid of the rejection because Yes, in Yona's story, we're hearing about the successes of, oh, I talked to this friend. I'm guessing he talked to a couple other friends besides the two he mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, no, that doesn't work for me. Or I tried this out for a little bit. It was like, no, that definitely is not something that suits me. And, you know, it's trial and error. And life is is all about just trial and error, like finding what, what fits you, what suits you. And even, even sales, like I really didn't like sales at all. And I hate cold calling. I hate just that feeling of giving someone a call and knowing that they're going to hang up on you and say no, right? Before you even are able to tell them. And so I kind of learned a lot from, you know, as I got into this, the segregation industry, as I got into the, you know, my current career, the, I learned a tremendous amount from Gary Vaynerchuk and from his marketing tactics, which is really the key to all sales. It's really about, you know, branding and about marketing more than anything else. And to me, that was a huge, huge shift in how I saw a business. So instead of the actual dive into that further. Yeah. I mean, what he talks about a lot is just, I mean, branding and social media, putting yourself out there. But one concept that really became clear to me was, and was an incredible, um, you know, compliment to my skill set, which is being a teacher was that if you teach something, Okay. Let's say you have a skill or you have a service or you have a product, you have something that you want to sell. Uh, And one of the main, this is what I found with what I do. One of the main uh, deterrents or or reason why people won't do that uh, or get that product or or buy that service or whatever it is, is just because they don't know enough information. And so a lot of times people will say, oh, let me think about this, right? They'll call you on the phone. Let me think about it. Uh, and I'll get back to you. I need some more time to think about this, right? And really, the truth is, they don't need to think about anything. Really, they don't have enough information. They don't know enough about it to make the right decision. And so what I found was the more you just teach and the more you just add value and share knowledge about this subject, becoming an, an industry uh, you know, subject matter expert and simultaneously having a company or having a business that has that service that you're providing. So you're doing two things simultaneously. Number one, you're educating people. But number two, you, you are becoming the go-to source for that thing, whatever that thing is. And so that's what Gary Vaynerchuk talks about a lot, about being a teacher, being an educator in sales, in, uh, in whatever service that you're in, that is going to have people just coming to you because they're going to see you, they're going to know you, and they're going to be like, okay, this is something I need. This is the person to go to because they're the expert. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it becomes down to this consultative sales. And it's not I'm selling you to sell you, but it's I'm consulting you. I'm explaining to you what the opportunity is. If this is something you're interested, we can move forward. If it's not, all good. Uh, and it, and it becomes more of a learning environment of like, like this podcast, what is cost segregation? When do I use this? Right, and it's exactly. just all of these things. But if you don't apply that to yourself and you're not teaching people, because that was one of the biggest things I learned. It was funny to me that when, uh, when everyone graduates college or high school or whatever, 
they go off and be teachers, right? And those things, they think those people are the only ones that are teaching. And I go, mm-hmm. this is so false. Everyone <laughs> needs a teacher. <laughs> like everyone needs a teacher. And I, I do some teaching myself with, um, it's Edwards Consulting. And what we do is, it's basically teaching people about the mindset of, hey, your job is not your life. Hey, mm-hmm. you have a lot of life to live. And there's mental health, the physical health, spirituality, relationships, community service philanthropy. Like there's so much more to life than this specific moment of, did my, did my boss approve me? Did they approve my PTO? Like, can I leave for the weekend? Like it's so much more than that. And I try to instill that in people, but it it is really fascinating. So where are you focusing most of your branding that you were discussing and why? You know, over the years, I I found a great resource is social media, but simultaneously with podcasting. I mean, to me, that was something that opened up a huge venue uh, because when you, especially when you podcast, and I was a guest on on several podcasts and just saw the value in that and then decided, hey, I'm going to start my own podcast because I enjoy the conversations. And it was a way for me to uh, to kind of give back to my clients and to people that you know I wanted to learn from that they were very successful. And it's a great hack if you want, I mean, obviously, you know this, I'm not talking to you, but any of our listeners, if you have a podcast, it's a great way to get on the phone with someone, right? People are much more likely willing to give you their time if you're recording a podcast that's going to go out there and going to be seen or heard by others, as opposed to just like, hey, can we jump on a call? <laughs> like, no, we can't actually. <laughs> but, but, oh, can we do a podcast? Yes, absolutely. And so it's a great way to just kind of build that rapport, build that relationship. And so through social media, like I said, as well, was uh, especially LinkedIn. And I became very, very, very big on LinkedIn early on, going back about five years ago. Um, And what I saw from that was that it was like a business networking platform. More than just, it used to be all about just how to, where to put your resume and how to find a job. But around that time, about five years ago, after Microsoft acquired LinkedIn, it, they were trying to compete with Facebook and with other social medias and became much more social as opposed to just the articles like it used to be, if anyone remembers what LinkedIn was like more than five years ago, it was just like articles and uh, you know people would share stuff like that. But all of a sudden, they started video and started people posting original content and interacting, and it became much more of just a resume or a place to find a job, but much more of a business networking environment. And to me, that was very appealing. And I just started posting and posting my own original content, a place not just to talk about what I do, but also just to kind of network and, and help other people. And I saw it was a great way to just add value in many, many different ways. And so I went really, really heavy on that until, you know, to this point, I'm considered by many like a LinkedIn expert of sorts. But to me, it's just, it's a great platform. It's a great way to connect with people and to to give back. Absolutely. And what was the strategy? Um, the, The reason I ask is what was the strategy for LinkedIn to expand? Because there's a lot of people who want to grow a personal brand on maybe TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, it's obviously the maturity of the platform makes it a little bit more difficult. But yeah, for you, what was your strategy? Was it post once a day? Was it post comment on these? Did you have rules for yourself? Was it organic? Whatever works. What, what were you thinking? What yeah, I did a, a factor, uh, you know, a lot of different things. So there were a lot of different things that I, I had done and 
continue doing over the years. Uh, one of those things is consistently posting original content every day. Um, so not necessarily weekends, but every weekday, just post some, you know, at least one thing and engage in other people's posts as well. Meaning it's more about uh, engaging and commenting and creating a community and people that will likewise, you know, be involved in that kind of social, um, you know, energy of just, oh, you're commenting on mine, I'm commenting or continue creating these conversations, bringing other people into the conversations, et cetera, like that. And so that's a great way to be seen by other people as well. Because if you have your profile set up in, in a good professional way, that anytime anyone actually sees your profile, that they're going to know exactly who you are, what you do, and how you can help them. And it looks professional. And it's basically a free website, a free landing page. So you can put anything up there. You can put links, you can put media, you can put you know so many different things. And so I went really heavy on that. And those were things that I was doing. Uh, one other thing that I started a couple of years ago was just a way to give back this thing called this 10-day uh, uh, commercial real estate or CRE LinkedIn challenge. What I, the reason why I did this was basically a challenge to, which I've, I've done consistently like once, once a quarter for the past like two, three years, which is just to encourage other people in the commercial real estate industry to post consistently and engage on the platform to kind of build a following and build uh, that community. And the reason why I did that was I saw that people weren't really using LinkedIn. Like people use social media, but don't really know how to use it properly. We'll just like post and forget about it. And then nobody engages with it. And then it doesn't really serve its purpose, right? Because if you can have the potential to be seen by a hundred people or a thousand people or 10,000 people, um, you know, I think everyone would choose the 10,000 people who don't know the strategies and the ways to get that, have that be done. And so it takes consistency. It takes involvement. It takes a little bit more of a time involvement. Uh, but in the end of the day, the main reason why I focused on LinkedIn, as opposed to these other platforms was specifically because it was much more professional, much more business oriented. So people are already in that mindset and in that kind of that mode or, or that kind of phase when they're, when they're in on the platform, they're already thinking business. They're thinking about, uh, and so especially with the real estate industry that I'm in, when people are in, in that mindset, they're open to, uh, to learn. 100%. And I think the other big thing is, uh, and this is something I've realized about social media is it's that there's the producer and the consumer. There's some people mm -hmm. who might be on LinkedIn all day long, but they're just consuming content. Right. And they're not producing and not pushing it out there. And uh, some of the reasons some of my friends tell me, oh, no, I don't want to do that is because it's, it's uh, people think it's embarrassing or it's just it. Uh, everyone lives their own life. If they're judging you, they probably got bigger issues. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I've realized. And it's really just being committed to whatever that is. So I think the producing the content and then working around it. And if someone comments, obviously get back to them, whatever it is. Yeah. Super powerful. Yeah, it's huge. Very, very powerful stuff. So let's get into the uh, cost segregation. So, so what is cost segregation? Where does it fit into real estate? What is this stuff? Yeah, it's, I mean, for anyone who, who is in real estate, if you don't know what this is, just to keep it simple, it is a tax strategy. Okay. That allows you as a real estate owner or investor, besides for your personal residence, any investment or business property that you buy, you're allowed to take a tax deduction called depreciation. Okay. Which allows you to basically write off the entire value of the property 
uh, as an income tax write-off. Okay, but you do that over a very long period of time. Cost segregation is the strategy that comes in and says, we have this potential deductions that you can take over a 39-year or 27-year period. We can actually figure out a way to pull some of those deductions to the first year and a large amount that you can take up front, which essentially is a cash flow strategy because instead of paying income tax, you can use those potential deductions uh, that you may never ever, ever see, right? And you can actually use them now so that you can pay no income tax this year and then use whatever money you could you would have had to pay and then use that to reinvest. And so it's a great strategy that just allows people to scale faster. Wow. And so let's dive into an example. For most people, are you seeing this with uh, the guy who's got two units, the guy who's got 20 units, the guy who's got 100 units, 1,000? Where you see, is it mostly commercial estate? Is it residential? Where are you really seeing this? Really for anyone and everyone, literally. Uh, I used to think, and, and people used to think this was only for large commercial developers and huge commercial owners. And there was a lot of misconceptions that, you know, 10, 20 years ago, this, you know, it used to cost like $50,000 to get this conservation study done. So it was only worth it if your property was worth like $10 million or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that's not the case anymore. This is literally for anyone and everyone. If you own even a single family residential property and you can benefit from these tax savings, it can be for you. Um, I would say that probably the majority of our clients, and I work for, we're the biggest national company that does this. The vast majority of our clients are in more commercial or multifamily you know, investment space. But we definitely have a, a large amount that are in the you know, residential or, or single family, or especially short-term rental, Airbnb. Uh, market what? has has taken off a lot. And so a lot of let's people are kind through, of using that. Yeah, let's go through an Airbnb one and then we can go through a fourplex and we'll see how the difference is. So like with an Airbnb, um, let's say you get a beach property. I don't know, it's a million dollars. Yeah. What would what would be the four bedroom? Like what what would be the strategy there? You can just so what, make up the scenarios we Yeah, got. no, I, for I sure. Just, <laughs> it's just it's good to learn through the action. Yeah, absolutely. And we do enough of these. So I'm pretty, pretty familiar with the, with actual numbers, but just to give a quick, quick overview of how this, what the actual mechanics of this, so we can understand when the numbers and how that makes sense. What we're doing is instead of taking that purchase price and putting it on a 27 and a half or 39 year schedule, right? Which on this million dollar property, your regular depreciation deduction would be about $20,000 a year. Okay. That means okay. you because if you spread it out over 39 years, your beachfront right Airbnb, it's over a 39-year schedule, you can take your depreciation deduction 20,000 years. But if you are doing well and you're making, let's say, $50,000 a year of net income from this property, which Airbnb is actually, uh, you can make a lot more than that if you're doing it right. Yeah. But let's just keep it around. So that means you automatically, with, with regular depreciation that your accountant is doing, you can reduce your taxable income by $20,000. I mean, you're paying only uh, taxes on that remaining $30,000 of income. What we yeah. do is identify things in the property that actually depreciate faster on a five-year or seven or 15-year schedule so that you can actually front load those deductions to a faster rate. And there's this thing called bonus depreciation that allows you to take that entire amount in the first year. So it's like a big lump sum of this tax write-off. So to keep it simple, what we can do instead of saying, oh yeah, you can get $20,000 of tax deductions a year, we'll come into that million dollar property and say, well, actually our report shows you that you can take $200,000 of extra deductions at a faster rate. And by the way, you can take that lump sum in the first year. So you can literally get 
on this million dollar property that maybe you only put 20% down, which means you put $200,000 down payment to buy it. And, and now in the first year, you can get a $200,000 tax deduction. Um, so it's basically a huge, a huge reward, uh, essentially, especially if you have a huge tax liability. People who are like real estate agents or people who are making a lot of money, you're able to use this against that income. And then instead of paying taxes on whatever income you have there, you can, you, like I said before, you can use that money and reinvest it. Wow. So is that kind of how, that's how a lot of these people are making millions and millions of dollars and just don't pay taxes. It's definitely one of the ways that, uh, that one it's of the very, strategies, yeah. yeah, it's one of the ways that real estate investors make, you know, probably more money than, than most other people. And, and it's real estate is probably the most tax advantaged um, industries that there is. And this is pr- the reason why. Yeah. This cost segregation, this is fascinating. So yeah, what would be crazy. something that what would be something that could be used like to depreciate? Like in a let's use the same Airbnb. What, what yeah. would be so what we do is we break down the IRS actually has very, very clear cut guidelines of what depreciates at which type of schedule. It's called like a cost recovery system. So they'll say, yes, the structure, the structural components of the property really depreciate on a 39-year schedule. Like the roof, the walls, the doors, windows, yeah. the roof, the floor, all that stuff. But anything that is non-structural, which is considered "quote unquote" personal property, but that that would be things even like appliances or furniture or equipment, countertops, cabinets, carpeting, right, flooring, window treatments. All this stuff depreciates on a five-year schedule. So we come in and we're doing what's called cost segregation. Literally means we're segregating the cost, that purchase price, we're breaking into these different categories. And what we're doing is component depreciation. We're saying, you know, your furniture, you know, is we're really worth, you know, $50,000, whatever. You can take that as a tax write-off over a five-year schedule or upfront in the first year. So we're able to identify what all those individual components are within the property and then create a new uh, basically tax depreciation schedule that shows you what deductions you can take at a faster rate. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, it's like the amazing thing is, is that, and the reason why I'm so like passionate about this is that there's so few people that really get this. And so that's why I'm all about just like educating as many people as possible because people will buy real estate and don't even know that this is a possibility. And it, it basically works for, you know, for 90% of the people, this is, like the best thing that they can do. Super valuable. Super Huge. valuable. So um, outside of the cost segregation, I know you you do real estate investing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it really, it came about, like I said, from you know years ago when I first mm-hmm. got involved and I was just learning about it. I was like, okay, well, who's really making the money? Sure, brokers are maybe getting a commission and getting something, but the people that actually invest and the property goes up in value and able to make more money over time. I saw that really, really quickly that that's really where to, where the real money comes in the wealth building. Absolutely. So in this, um, where it just started quarter two, it's 2022 has been a very interesting year. Um, but there's a little bit of uncertainty, um, just with everything going on, interest rates, all that. What do you think would be the best, move for someone who uh, maybe has a property and they're looking for a second one or what what do you think the best move is? You know, it's really hard to tell. Everyone has a different strategy. I would say what everyone should do if you're listening to this and you have this question that Jordan's asking uh, is you got to figure out what, what your goals are. 
you know, is real estate, is this something that you want to, you know, commit time to? Is this something you want to be involved with? If, if you don't want to, and just like, I'd love to invest in real estate, but I just don't have any time. And I know that that's the case for a lot of people. Well, there are things called real estate syndications, which are basically groups of people that come together and invest money in kind of a pool to buy a much larger property. And so you'll have like one or two uh, people who are very experienced and have done this many times that kind of run the deal as the general partners. And then you'll have you know, a group of people that will come together as limited partners, just coming in, just providing capital, providing money, investing in it. And you can get you know great returns and great uh, return on your investment through that way. So that's something if you don't have any time, if you do have time and you're like, okay, I want to make mess. Again, I would go back. What are your goals? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? If you have one property, you're trying to get to why? Like, do you want to retire? Do you want just to have some extra, you know, passive income? Do you want to have some extra streams and whatever it is, I'd say go out there and kind of find other people that have already done this, right? There are real estate meetups out there, right? There are even local, what we call like real estate RIAs, real estate investing association, like meetups, local things, or they're online, these Zoom like uh, meetups, like we have one every week. We invite a guest to speak about a different topic on Zoom every week. And there's so many of them out there that you can just network with other people and see, oh, this is what they're doing. <laughs> Maybe I can learn something from them. Maybe I can do the same. And so there's so many options out there. Uh, but if you're a young person and you're trying to get involved in your first property, uh, one of the greatest things out there, if this is available in your area, is something called uh, house hacking, right? Which is basically where you can buy a multi-unit property. And there are many ways to do that with very little money down, uh, certain types of loans. So you don't necessarily have to have you know, a huge amount of money to do this. But if you buy like a duplex and you live in one unit and rent out the other unit, and basically the rent from the unit can actually cover the mortgage. And so you can essentially live for free uh, with while while your property is actually going up in value and maybe even cash flowing if if there's more money coming in from the rent than covers the mortgage. So there are tons of options out there. Again, what it all comes back to is about networking and finding other people who are doing this. Yeah, and I, I love that strategy of obviously real estate is broad. There's a lot of things uh, most people might think it's only there's a home. Nope, there's a lot more than that. There's a lot of ways to cut. Uh, to cut to cut the pie, like there's a lot of different ways we can go about it, but it's super important that we at least have these conversations and are learning from others yeah. and getting that experience. So, absolutely awesome. Yes. So then, my my next thing was when you were making that jump from when you were making that jump from teaching to uh, the real estate world, was there any, my question was judgment or anything, like just from like the, the spiritual side, any of that? Just, and, and I just asked that because I know how some of the culture is and I'm, I was just curious. Um, what do you mean by judgment? You mean from other people? Yeah, yeah. Or just like your fan, like anything. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I think... Super supportive. One thing, yeah, very supportive. But I think the the main thing is, you know, if you are uh, have convictions and you know what you believe in and you know what's right and what's wrong, um, and hopefully those are based on uh, on higher principles than you've just made up on your own, right? Because that can be ever changing. Um, then 
you know, you have a huge foundation to work with. And, you know, the business world is not something different than the spiritual world. It really isn't. If you come with it, with the right mindset and you live a life uh, of values, you live a life of ethics and integrity, then that will show through. And so it's, I think I have a competitive advantage over someone who may not have a, a very spiritual life because, um, you know, not that I'm doing it for this reason, God forbid, but people see a, a religious or a spiritual person and someone who stands by their values and is an honest person and that they have, they're much more easily to be relied upon. And so they're much more, <clears throat> excuse me, trustworthy. And so that's something that I've, I've found that I've been you know, pleasantly surprised that that's the case, but, uh, but it makes sense. Yeah. And the only reason I asked that question was because I know that there's people who feel like there's peer pressure of my parents want me to do this or I, and it's just not even, like, it's not even a spiritual thing, but there's just so much out there of, we have to be a certain way. We have to fit in. We have to do this. And you are just do blazing your own path essentially, which I love. And that's what entrepreneurship is. And that's what life's all about because it becomes yeah. so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes this exciting thing. So the last thing I want to touch on is this bonus depreciation thing. I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier. I've done a little bit of research on it. What exactly is it and why is this such an advantage for the next? I, I know it's only like these two years or it's really short time period. Whoa. And I just want the audience to definitely grab that. Yeah. So the bonus depreciation that I mentioned, which is essentially once you've done a consideration study and you're able to take, you're able to take those depreciation deductions at a faster rate all up front in the first year. This is a new law that was passed a couple of years ago with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And so it's only been around for a few years and it was set to start phasing out from 100% down to 80% to 60, 40, 20, and then gone. So this year, 2022 is the last year that it will still be the 100% bonus depreciation. Meaning if you buy a property in 2022, this will be the last time that you can actually take that full amount of depreciation up front. So it is a huge benefit. And I think a lot of people are, are you know, buying properties just for this reason uh, so they can take the tax advantages. So definitely it is a little bit of a time sensitive uh, issue, but you know, make sure that you're on top of it. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I noticed. And that, that's really why I wanted to share because most people aren't thinking about this. It's not their main priority that, Hey, I can remove a bunch of my taxes if I just buy a place this year. Um, yeah. Super important. So Yona, where can people find you? The best place to find me, as we talked about earlier on is at LinkedIn. Yeah, guys connect with me there. Let me know that you, uh, that you listened to the clocked in podcast with Jordan and, uh, and you liked it or you didn't either way, let me know. <laughs> and, uh, and, or you can find me at yonawice.com. That's my website talking about everything that we do. So happy to connect with anyone and everyone. Absolutely. I appreciate you. This has been incredible. I will put both those links in the show notes. Uh, thank you again for informing everyone. This is awesome. Been a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Jordan. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.